Okay, welcome back, listeners. It's Adrian Bow here on the Adrian Bow podcast with my cohort and partner in crime here, Mr. Troy Malcolm, episode 97. How are you today, Troy? Very good, very good, AB. It feels like uh, we're doing this every day now. It's kind of, uh, it's not a <laughs> weekly occurrence. I'm getting to see you on Zoom yeah. and obviously interact with you and some of the coaching clients we have together and um, really yeah. seeing some phenomenal results with the groups we're working with at the moment. So, uh, mate, it's great to see you again online, even though I did see you this morning online. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So obviously Troy and I work closer together um, given his connect group of agents, which is a subgroup of agents um, in the LJ Hooker group. Uh, Troy um, is head of sales for such a uh, a prestigious organization and it's uh, we're getting some great results and some really good traction there so yeah great to see you for the second time and you mentioned AB we've got AB here we've got AB behind me it's just AB everywhere we've got I think we've got AB in the in the suit here mate it's all happening so <laughs> Troy number 97 um, now I thought it would be remiss of us uh, Troy not to kick off with a question we had sent through to us now as you know we do get quite a few questions sent through and sometimes we just can't get around to them but I thought um, today we'll we'll we'll, and each week we'll try and actually um, do a shout out now um, we're very fortunate enough to have an international audience Troy and um, a a young chap by the name of Dylan Tracy from Barfoot and Thompson um, in the uh, wonderful uh, uh, um, country of New Zealand. And I've actually got another client, Amelia uh, from Barford and Thompson. So a fantastic organisation, Troy. Um, I don't know if you've had much to do in, but fantastic uh, group of uh, officers there. And uh, Dylan's uh, reached out and um, has said, hey, Adrian, listen to your podcast all the time. It's highly enjoyable and very educational. Thank you to you and Troy for taking time to make it. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Thank you. Um, for listening. I have one question, if that's okay. You talked about two databases and segmenting them differently. Were you talking about having a core database for your separate farm area and a separate one for everyone else? Question mark. Really good question. Really good question, Troy. So um, really the, the, the best way to tackle this uh, Dylan, and certainly, you know, I, I think that a lot of people will benefit from this is a lot of, um, antiquated uh, real estate vernacular if you like is about farm areas Troy Um, and and I think they seem to be something of the past there are still agents who enjoy the luxury of very high market share in certain suburbs but I think for everyone else they need to expand their geography and their thinking in terms of what these farm areas. And I think that's an antiquated term. So let's call it a BDA or a business development area, if you like, or a core market. Would you, would you agree with that, Troy? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to, you've got to separate them and segregate them and make sure that you're focused on, on the right information. And I know Adrian, the, the way that you've always worked your system is really having access to the maximum amount of information in the primary and then the secondary sometimes you you get those inquiries via the major portals and you put them in there and then it's more of a relationship builder as opposed to a nurture yeah absolutely and 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 if you've reviewed the market um troy you know and listeners over the last two years we're we're dealing in a lower 
volume market. Um, so, so obviously, at the moment, in 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 some areas of Australia, we've got restrictions and lockdown. It's I would call it chronically low, chronically low. However, even even over the last twelve months, um, we have been in a, in a lower than usual volume and a transaction market. So, what does that mean? That means that you 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 really don't have the luxury of saying, well, I'm just going to focus on this suburb, for example, because frankly, I sit down with a lot of agents, Troy, and you and I have done this together and say, are you picking a game you can win? What we mean by that is even if you got 50% market share in that suburb, which is, which is very difficult in isolation, but even if you did, does that mean that you will achieve your volume of sales goal or your GCI goal? The answer is usually no. So you're not starting on the right platform and you're not even selecting a game you can win at that particular point. So um, that's obviously something that's that's common, Troy. And, and I think that, you know, larger organisations um, uh, are even probably lifting some restrictions and, and there seems to be a bit more of an abundance attitude around geographical markets and I think that's that's sensible because more signboards means more signboards you know um, more listings means more listings is that your observation yeah I, I think so Adrian and looking at the data coming through from from most of the bigger organizations that we see here in Australia and I would think that it would be replicated uh, anywhere around the world um, we're knowing the data of the buyer or uh, you know where the buyers are originating from and the way that they're working is um, not necessarily landlocked anymore. I think lifestyle factors have played such a big part in where people choose to live. And obviously over the past couple of years, we've seen the flexibility of working arrangements um, vary so differently. So it would be silly to think that you would obtain uh, your whole business from one or two suburbs. Why? Because it is a people business. And we base this business around relationships, not around transactions. The vehicle is property, yeah. but obviously the, the relationship sets you apart. So um, knowing that and knowing that information, it makes logical sense to communicate with those clients and actually work with them, even if they are on the fringe of what you would say is a focus or a, a farm BDA area. Mm, yeah, I agree. So to answer Dylan's question, um, you know, I, I think what you need to do is is choose a market, choose a market that is your core market. I'd get away from the vernacular uh, uh, or jargon, if you will, of, of farm areas. So I'd choose a core market. That core market, rather than than calling it suburbs, it needs to be it needs to be quite a few thousand people, you know, because, you know, if you look at quite a few thousand people, then at least it's a market that has hundreds of transactions per year. And unless it's a market that has hundreds of transactions per year, you know, most people, they're going to be lucky to hit sort of 10% market share. So again, we go back to winning, you know, picking a game you can actually win. Um, so I think that that's important. Then when you talk about the secondary database, then I think when you, when you look at that is, is it should be um, complementary or peripheral areas that you've still got product knowledge in because what we do want to make sure where we're advocating Troy there's a duty of care for agents so what you don't want to do is make the mistake you know and I did this 25 years ago is take on that that 
that farm in 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 Bower because your client really begged you to do it or take on that property on the North Shore when you're an Eastern Suburbs agent and it seemed like a good idea at the time because you were low on stock all of a sudden um, you end up listing a lot more properties in your core market and then suddenly it becomes a distraction. You didn't really have duty of care because your product knowledge wasn't that good. So I think that, that that's an erroneous and dangerous precedent because providing a referral uh, to another agent and getting a referral free from it is, is a far better commercial decision in my opinion. Wouldn't you agree, Troy? Yeah, you have to have that that focus, Adrian, and I think logically, again, um, just step back and think about what does that do to impact your business. Um, so I think it's yeah. a it's a very it's a very wise question, and I think a lot of agents at some point in their career will come up with this decision on how do they run their system. And Adrian, with the level of service that you've provided your clients over an extended period of time with the relationships you've developed, um, it, it makes sense exactly what you've just said to really resonate with those clients, but also know where, where your focus is and where your focus isn't. I guess, Adrian, that brings me to, to my question to you today is because yeah. you've had such success over really nurturing those relationships and call it a database, customer base, however you like to, to, to kind of frame it, um, it's allowed you to really... I guess, do a deep dive and leverage. And I know last week we spoke about understanding not only the configuration they want for the property they're searching, but also deeply understanding them. Where are their children? Is that they need a school? Does it need to have the flexibility of a home office? What do they do in the home as opposed to just what configuration and price range are they searching? My question is, Adrian, how, how, how do you manage that, right? Because you, you mentioned a couple of thousand there and you mentioned that, you, you know, you're working with hot buyers and you've got a dedicated, you know, 25 that you're really focused on and you've got your pipeline clients and you, you're in contact with them on a frequent basis. How do you really cut to the chase in your conversations and dialogue with them as opposed to just chatting, Mm. It's a great question because there's a lot of agents that you, you speak with, Troy, and and we've all we've all you know been privy to these conversations where they you know and I I call them floaters where they float around and just have chats to people you know um, there's no note taking there's no call to action there's no follow up no follow through no follow back. Um, and, and that's a problem. That's a problem because then you are just a floater having chats. So I think what's critical, Troy, and what's served me very well and still my EBU today and all my clients that I work with, including, you know, your group, is, is really drilling down on um, not only creating a contact, but also developing a relationship because a contact is just a name, number and email unless there's a relationship attached, right? So really creating that relationship and that's done through listening. It's done through asking more questions. It's done through being empathetic. It's done through understanding and it's done through caring, right? There's that. Then there's making detailed notes every time that you have a conversation with somebody, okay? And then the final part or the final piece of the puzzle is retasking to talk CRM language. Um, and, and tasking is, is, is sort of an agent box term, but it's also a term used in many other CRMs as well. Um, 
because a lot of people we deal with, Troy, and agents we talk to, where they're like, oh, I've got, you know, 15,000 people in my database. Um, and I'm like, how many have tasks attached to them? Or only 50. And I'm like, this is insanity. This is insanity. So please, you know, go, go away for three weeks and do nothing else but sit down from A to Z and actually call every single one of those people. Uh, a, find out if they own a piece of property in an area you could service or not. B, create a task to them, right? Um, and three, take detailed notes every time that you have a conversation because without that, I can't help you. I just simply can't help you. Um, so, so that's the, the important framework, if you like, Troy, around just a data entry. It's got to include notes. It's got to include a relationship and it's got to include follow-up. Yeah, and I love the fact that you just said, you know, follow up, follow through, follow back. If you're constantly thinking about those when those three things, when you're talking to someone and you're interacting with them and really getting to the core of what they're looking for, if they're a buyer, pipeline seller, what do they, what are they looking for as their next part in the, the real estate journey for them? Um, follow mm -hmm. through, follow up, oh, sorry, follow up, follow through and follow back is just an easy way to really get connected with that process and, and allow you to, to really see the results come through. Um, Adrian, the other thing that we, we talk about a lot when, when you're talking to your clients and obviously the relationships and the database and making sure that they're getting the relevant information is the way that you use case studies with them and the way that you constantly talk about with your pipeline around case studies. Uh, for everyone listening to this, and you've probably heard the terminology before, case studies, but Adrian, you, you have a, a certain dialogue and narrative that you, you share with your clients to really help them understand um, the logistics in the process to getting the result. Um, it always starts mm. with telling a little bit of background about the person, the relationship mm. you formed, and then also how that works with the buyer and all the process that they went through. Why is it important mm. to do that every single time you make a sale? Look, case studies are absolutely critical, Troy, and, and there's two forums, if you like, that, that would you would use case study. Um, one is in the listing presentation, uh, two is in the set to sell meeting, um, and they're both very different. They're both very different. So the, the first forum, let's call it the listing presentation, um, you need to provide case studies, which is a form of social proof, Troy, as you know, which is here's an agency agreement uh, or a form six that was signed. Here's the marketing plan. That, that the vendor uh, undertook via my recommendation. Here is the uh, vendor reports, which give you a very detailed uh, overview of how the campaign went. Here is a copy of the reserve form. Here is a copy of the bidder's registration. And here is the sold price. So what does that tell the vendor? It tells them that there's a journey and a process and a strategy that someone else has walked in these footsteps already. You're not the first person to do it. And, and it's palpable, it's tangible, and it's visual. So I, can, I cannot tell you how, how... Um, um, you know, connected people feel to that journey that you take them on. If you look at those steps from step number one to agency agreement to the actual sale price. And there's those, those five or six 
um, you know, uh, uh, sort of let's let's call them, um, you know, actual written material. But what they are are just metaphors, Troy. They're metaphors for actually what was triggered during the campaign, whether it was the marketing plan, whether it was the vendor reports, whether it was the domain statistics, the realestate.com statistics, the bidders registrations, all of those are just metaphors and triggers for another conversation, another story, and the best agents are the best storytellers, as as you know, Troy. So that's that's the first appropriate forum for case studies. The next one at the set to sell, and 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 I think a lot of agents erroneously feel that a set to sell meeting only happens once. Your set to sell meeting happens actually weekly at your vendor update face-to-face -face meetings or via Zoom, however you choose to do it. Um, and when we say set to sell, we're basically providing them case studies of other pieces of real estate where if the campaign was off track, the same piece of real estate in the same market within a seven day period, we had the luxury of adjusting the three levers that we have at our disposal, which is price presentation and marketing. And we adjusted all three of them. And on one Saturday, there was four groups, zero interested parties. The following Saturday, same piece of real estate, same market environment was 23 groups and six interested parties. What did we do during that seven day period? We highly focused on price presentation and marketing, and we actually were able to make adjustments. And this is the five case studies where that happened. And this is the end result. So you're hundred percent right. They're, 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 they're completely appropriate in both of those environments. Environments. What's the right number of case studies? You just mentioned five there. What's the right number as we start to wrap up this uh, this episode ninety seven? Well, I think half a dozen for for both is is plenty. Now, the 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 with the second one though, Troy, with the second one, um, you know, when you're providing case studies about you know fluctuating the price, let's call it for a moment. But even though that's not the only um, lever, I did talk about presentation. I did talk about marketing. But if you are to display a fluctuation of pricing, you, we need to show both sides of the spectrum. We need to show case studies where we increase the price and ones where we decrease the price based on the objective metrics, be it open house numbers, be it email inquiries, be it web views from real estate or domain.com. So I think half a dozen is plenty. Yeah, perfect. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think, you know, you, the, the greater amount of case studies is is important. I think if you had case studies for everything, you'd be like yeah. your own book, especially with the sales career that you've had, Adrian. But I also yeah. think you need one, one is not enough. Um, 10 is probably too many. I think half a dozen really starts to tell a story and you can kind of see how that's benefited other clients. And you're right, Adrian, um, people really connect with the social proof. Um, so if you're looking at those laws of influence, social proof is obviously a big one. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. Uh, episode 97, we're, we're done. Um, that yeah. went fast, Adrian. We've been going for about 20 minutes. That actually went faster than awesome. we anticipated. Um, yeah. for, for everyone that's listening to this episode, please keep sending through your questions. Uh, we love answering those. And I think Adrian, we do get, well, you receive them, but you do get quite a number of questions. We can't get to all of them, but I think we, we came to that agreement before we started recording this episode to say that yes, every week we're going to focus on one question. Um, that we can obviously help out our listeners. To all the listeners as well, just remind you, um, the algorithm absolutely loves 
the rating system on iTunes. And so every time we upload an episode, it would mean a huge amount to both Adrian and myself if you could rate that five stars. And also, if you're really feeling generous, write a review, only five stars. You can't rate us anything less. You're not allowed to, only <laughs> five stars. And obviously a complimentary review. We do read them. Uh, it is our currency and we want to make this as relevant as ever, uh, as ever to make sure that you're getting the content you need and not just uh, having Adrian and I just chit chat uh, every week as an episode. So AB, thank you again, mate. I really love being part of uh, the Adrian Bow podcast and sharing some of the ideas and insights that we get access to uh, with the groups that we work with every single week. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, Troy. And we're seriously got to look at renaming it to the Adrian Bow and Troy Malcolm podcast, in my opinion. So if anyone's got any uh, views on that, please send them through to me. And if you do uh, ask any questions, we will give you a shout out like we did with Dylan today. Um, so that could be something uh, cool that you uh, you might want to be included in. So uh, thanks again, Troy, mate. You're a, uh, a beacon of positivity and professionalism in, in this uh, crowded uh, industry and uh, I appreciate uh, all the all the outstanding work that you do in uh, in the industry. Thank you mate until next week. Thank you.